Maxeline Jewell and her band performing Crooked River, a tune from her brand new album, Get Behind the Wheel. We found Eileen in Boise, Idaho, not far from Crooked River, and talked to her about making what she calls her favorite album so far. I really like the record. I think it's um, it's probably my favorite one so far, and, and I'm not just saying that, you know, <laughs> for the sake of advertisement. Um, right. it's, uh, yeah, I just... I, I, uh, I felt like I really needed this one, you know, and, um, it came at a really good time for me. And I mean, a really hard time, but a good right. time to be self-expressive and right. I had a, have a lot to say and kind of <laughs> experimenting with new, slightly new sounds, but I guess, you know, I do that from time to time. <laughs> um, but this one just feels kind of more open-hearted, more, um, there's more freedom in it, and um, and I'm kind of in this place now where I don't really take as much for granted as I used to. Like I, during the pandemic, there I was, you know, there was a time when I was wondering if I would even make another record or go go on another tour, you know. So uh, it's I'm very thankful that I got right. To right. What would you do if you weren't touring and making records? Um. I think I would probably be either working at a library. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I fantasize about that or working in a bookstore. I, I really like books and, right. um, so yeah, maybe, maybe when it's time to retire right. in the library. Right. But, yeah. It reminds me of one of my favorite uh, scenes in it's a wonderful life where his uh, the woman is working is is destined to be a librarian. It's like she's an old maid. It's a horrible ending to what her. What a terrible fate! <laughs> what a fate! Yes. <laughs> I worked in a library in college, and I really liked it. I mean, it had boring moments, but what doesn't, you know? Exactly. So, so was this with all the stuff that happened in and around your life and around the world? Was this an easy easy record for you to make, or was it difficult for you? It was, in some ways, it was a mix. Um, it's always, it's always kind of hard to put anything out there into the world. It's um, there's a lot of like internal resistance that I have to fight through. Um, I'm very, I'm very shy by nature, and um, I often kind of find myself wondering how the hell I got into such a public <laughs> right public career how did how did i end up with a public persona i'm like one of the most private people in the world but um i think that's probably what keeps me interested in it it's that you know that kind of constant i'm all constantly butting up against all my own internal um naysaying and right. um forcing myself to face all these fears, um, which is extremely uncomfortable. It's like, it's a horrible process. And while it's happening, I just hate it. Right. Does um, it get any easier since you've been making records for a while now? No, it really doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I wish I could say that, you know, that I'm evolving in that respect, but, um, no, it remains, it remains hard. I guess what does get easier though is, um, 
kind of the nuts and bolts of making an album. Like, um, I know, I know what musicians I want to work with and I know which studio to go to and what snacks to bring on, you know, the day right, of right. recording. Um, but the internal stuff remains. And I think what, what's shifting though, maybe about it is that I'm kind of learning to uh, accept it, you know, as just part of what makes me tick. Gotcha. Now you co-produced this record with Will Kimbrough. So how did two of you work together on this record? Do you guys have like specific roles that you, you take on or are you just kind of wing it? Yeah. Um, so the roles that we took on were, um, I, I had never worked with a producer really before. So I was, I was really curious about doing that. Um, but also at the same time, um, nervous about it because my band and I are just such a well-oiled machine. And, um, you know, I think they were nervous too about bringing in another cook in the kitchen. So mm -hmm. the way we worked around that was that my band and I laid down the basic tracks together. And so we, we kind of formed the, you know, the, I guess the skeleton of each song, um, the, like, you know, where the solos would go and um, the melodies and the lyrics. And I mean, the melodies and lyrics are all my doing, but the band kind of um, helps. They they determine what they're going to play, basically. Sure. Yeah. And then um, Will Kimbrough is just this like genius multi-instrumentalist. Um, so I flew to Nashville to work with him and he just he just had all these great ideas about additional instruments to lay down. So right. um, in a way he ended up being like soloist extraordinaire, but he was also a producer in the sense that um, there were, there were songs that needed to be kind of edited, like shortened, truncated in such a way that right. they made more sense. And he just worked his magic with that, with that. And, um, and he he knew Fats Kaplan, the pedal steel player, so he got him in, and ah. and that Is was he the guy playing on Winnemucca. Winnemucca, yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you written a song about a little town in Nevada? Well, I have this strange little, like, you could almost say it's like a crush on that town. Um, like <laughs> bizarre fascination. Um, I've, I'd always driven through it um, for just most of my life because it's on the way to a lot of things, but it's four hours south of Boise, so it's not quite far enough to really, like, need to stop much yet. So I always yep. kind of wondered what, what it was all about. And then my band and I got booked there to play um, this little, it's called the Martin Hotel. And it's, um, it, it's a Basque restaurant. Um, and they just like spoil the bands that play there. And they feed them this huge, like family style Basque meal with carafes of wine. 
And that. <laughs> yeah, so I just kind of fell in love with it the first time we played there. And then during the pandemic, I took a solo road trip through there. And just because I kind of missed that, I think I missed the family style meal. Right. Yeah. Um, so I probably shouldn't have been there because they were pretending like the pandemic wasn't really happening. But I wore my mask. I was like the only one there <laughs> wearing right. a mask. And I sat at a big table with strangers and we, we feasted on Basque food and drank wine together. And it's just like, um, just this poignant, beautiful memory. And um, at that particular time in my life, I was just full of um, uncertainty and grief and longing, but I was just being out there alone in the desert and um, kind of reconnecting a little bit with people just, uh, it was so transformative that I just, I found myself writing the whole time I was there. Very cool. Now I noticed um, in some of the songs, there's like, I'm noticing and maybe I'm wrong, little nods to classic moments on other records from like the sixties and whatever. Hmm. For instance, in Crooked River, it's kind of starts out with this Phil Spector, Ronette's drum beat. And mm -hmm. uh, is that you're doing? Is that what you were doing? <laughs> That was my idea. I said, I want it to start with like a be my little baby yeah. beat. And I don't know why, but just do it. <laughs> and we'll see how, it, <laughs> see how it sounds. And, you know, people seem to like it well enough that we kept it. But yeah, I'm um, just totally unapologetically a 60s person, like just through and through. I um I have branched out more in more in recent years. I've been listening to more modern music, but that's just where my heart and soul gravitate towards. So like, you know, blues from the 60s, uh -huh. um, country music, like rock and roll, garage, like it, everything to me sounded better in that era. Right. And do you have anything you want to say about the song itself, about Crooked River? Um, Crooked River itself? Um, well, let's see. I... I wrote it, um, it's about a real place in Idaho. So I wrote right. it with that place in mind. And um, it was a place that I went to quite a bit during the pandemic for, um, to find a sense of solace. Right, okay. Now, I think my favorite track on the record is Could You, Would You, which also, to me, has this uh, guitar signature or figure that reminds me of something else. And I can't remember, I can't decide if it sounds like Here Comes My Girl by Tom Petty or Here Comes the Night by them. So. Oh, well, it is it's, a them song, so it, it's a song by them. Oh, it is by, I didn't know that. Well, there you go. <laughs> you nailed it, yeah. <laughs> Very good. I wish I wrote that one, that would be yeah, ah, one of my faves. Because I, I didn't have the uh, writing credits or anything, so I didn't. 
Ah, uh, yeah. It's not a thing to listen to. So, okay. So what, what, where did you dig that one up from? Uh, I've just, I've been a fan of them for many, many years. And uh, we, we covered a them song on, um, I think my third album, I want to say. And so, yeah, I mean, I just, I feel comfy with, with them. <laughs> right. Just a huge fan. And that one, I love the, like, there's an innocence to it. You know, it's like, um, just this kind of hopeful kind of innocent love that appeals to me because it's got, it sounds like it has such an edge, but the lyrics are just so sweet. Right. Right. Now, speaking of edge, I don't know how much you put into the thought process of, uh, you know the the running order of the record but it seems to get very dark at the end mm. and, and moody is that what you had in mind did you want to leave people with a certain feeling after listening to it um i mean the last song is called the bitter end <laughs> so. yeah yeah um i think that i just i really wanted to portray like the full range of what I've been going through in the past few years. Um, and it starts out really hopeful with, you know, feelings of like, uh, kind of triumph and, um, transcendence. And it ends <laughs> with some bitterness and obviously, and, and, um, some cynicism. Um, but I guess they're not meant to be, you know, linear like that. It's kind of meant to be played sort of in a loop because, um, because I guess, I I guess what I'm getting out there is that life is all of the things, you know, a lot of my albums tend to be, they skew towards the the sad end of uh, human experience. I, I gravitate towards sadder songs. And so this one does experiment more with some joy and, happiness but um yeah i guess it's kind of meant to encompass all of it and i think it's because um for me like i i I like singing about everything really that's kind of what i'm i'm realizing i used to hate happy songs and now i'm realizing that um that there's a place in my heart for happy songs too that it's all sacred you know right right so I get the feeling this is a kind of record that you had to get out of your system. So with that in mind, are you thinking in terms of what you're going to do next? Um, I keep returning to this idea of a pretty straight ahead folk album, uh-huh. which I kind of, that's sort of where I started. Um, Boundary County, my first album is, it's pretty folky, but this one I think would be more like traditional folk. And I know it's not the most um, original idea in the world, but I really love the comfort food of like, um, you know, like early Woody Guthrie and early Bob Dylan and mm-hmm. folk songs that don't even have, you know, they're just like traditional. They don't yep, even have them in the ether. <laughs> Who knows yeah. where they came from? <laughs> yeah. They've always been with us. Mm-hmm. Donovan too. I keep threatening to do a an entire 
album of Donovan covers. That would be something. <laughs> that yeah. would be unique. See, nobody's yeah. done that yet. Maybe I'll you go You just have to do goo 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 barabajaggle. That's my favorite Donovan song. Oh, you know yeah, I mean? barabajaggle. That's a good one. <laughs> It's a wild record. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. And so when the record comes out, you're hitting the road, I assume, and playing mm -hmm. some gigs. Are you? Do these songs, do you look at them as kind of taking different form when they're being performed? Or Yeah. Um, they, they tend to get more intense, I've noticed. Right. We lean into them a little harder. Uh, we just, you know, we get excited when we have an audience. Um, uh, we've tried doing a live, the first song on the album. Yep. Um, we're going to try to add that. We haven't performed it in front of an audience yet, um, but that'll be interesting to try to do in front of people because that was just something that we were kind of playing around in the studio. And I think we just did it in one take and the guys didn't even know how the song went. And I was literally like dictating to them through the headphones. Okay, now build it up here. And then they're just like, okay. <laughs> so I won't have the headphones to to tell them uh, what to do next. So we're gonna we're gonna work on that and figure out how it's to got a pretty cool guitar sound on that record. Or particularly on that track as well. It's kind yeah, of clangy and twangy at the same time. Mm -hmm, yeah. Uh, Will Kimbrough overlaid some really cool um, slide guitar. Um, so he, you know, he won't be with us live right. um, unless we can rope him into it, but he's often with Emmylou Harris. So I, uh, I hate when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just spoke to, who is it? Uh, Rodney Crowell. And he, he said he spent, um, Emmy Lou Harris, uh, Emmy Lou's birthday. They went to a baseball game in Nashville together. I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> that would be so fun. Wow. Anyway. All righty. Well, good luck with the record. Thank you very much for spending time talking to me. And hopefully you'll make it down to New Zealand sometime soon because we need to see you again. Yeah, uh, that'd be great. Fingers crossed.